Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Modern Goonies Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor King Miner, hanging out with my badass co-host, Michael Ross. I'm slightly drunk. Yeah. So, uh, welcome to Season 1, Episode 4, and tonight's topic is video games. So, tonight's topic is actually a remake, because our original take got completely fucked up because of technical issues, and one of our guest audio tracks accidentally got deleted somehow, so... I really want to apologize to Chandler and Mark, and I really hope that we can do another podcast with you guys sometime in the near future, maybe on season two or something like that. But uh, yeah, sorry about that, guys. So Michael and I are sitting down, and, and actually this episode's being recorded after the entire season wrapped, because we just now realized that, oh shit, we're, we don't have an episode for season four. So we're just uh, sitting here, a little buzzed, completely in the dark, like all the lights are turned off. This is uh, the most sensual podcast we have ever recorded. Yeah, fun fact. Trevor has, let's see, three days to get this edited and then released. Yeah, I mean, all the other ones have already been recorded. So, yeah, so we're just going to go from here. So, uh, yeah, tonight's topic, once again, is video games. And we had some really, it's a shame because we had some really good conversation with uh, Chandler, Chandler and Mark. Mark. Yeah. And so it, it kind of sucks to kind of do our own little recreation of it, but uh, we're yeah. going to do our best. So, yeah, I just want to start off. So um, kind of just talking about some of our favorite games and uh, how we kind of grew up in the gaming world and, you know, how our tastes have changed over time and uh, what it is that we like nowadays. So, uh, yeah, why don't we just go ahead and get uh, get completely started? So I want to know what was the um, what was the first console that you ever had that you um, you remember like first having and playing your like major game on that you got kind of like obsessed with or you really liked? So like, what was the first console that you owned? And that also includes like handhelds, any, anything that any gaming device. Okay, so the first console that I remember is the Super Nintendo. Okay. The su- I don't know exactly how many people had the Super Nintendo. I don't know who all is familiar with it. I definitely didn't have a Super Nintendo. I, I knew what it was, but I never had one. So, some of the most popular games on the Super Nintendo were, without a doubt, Donkey Kong Country and Super Mario World. And easily, those two were the games that dominated my childhood. Oh, yeah. Well, it's crazy because, like, um, I didn't realize that some of those games were actually originally released on the Super Nintendo or older consoles. Because when I had them, I had had, like, remakes that were on, like, the Game Boy or the DS and stuff like that. And so, um, like, Don- like, I had Donkey Kong Country on my Nintendo DS, and I didn't even realize until years later that that was actually a really old game. I just thought it was, a, like, a Game Boy game, basically. Dude, Donkey Kong... I still remember Donkey Kong Country's music. Like, it's... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just... It's been ingrained in my mind. I played Donkey Kong Country so much when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. I actually bought the Super Nintendo emulator... Like oh, okay. the small one that they released a couple yeah, yeah, of years yeah, yeah, ago yeah. for 80 bucks. Like, I thought Donkey Kong Country was going to be on there. I f- honestly forget if it is or isn't. Yeah. But Super Mario World is on there, so I've, I've already sunk a lot of time into that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, those are really good games. I never really played Donkey Kong Country, like, all that much. Like, I had it, but I fucking sucked at it. Like, that game kicked my ass. Um, I was always a huge Mario person, so I always had, like, I had Super Mario World, um... And, and, like, a bunch of other different, like, Mario games. And so that was kind of, like, my main shit. Like, I absolutely kicked ass. They re, they did, like, a remastered version of, like, the original 
uh, Super Mario Bros. Like Mario 64? Uh, no, like the original Super Mario Bros. Like the, uh, the one that they released on. Oh, fuck. I can't remember. Like, like the oldest one. Like the very first Super Mario Bros. Not when he was in Donkey Kong, but like his first standalone game. I think, was that on like oh, the... Oh, shit, shit. I, okay. The one where he's all like blocky and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah, like yeah, the yeah. original, where like all of the shit that we know came from. And okay, yeah. um, they did like a remastered version of that um, in like 2006, I want to say, for the, the Nintendo DS. And um, man, I love, they did a great job on that game. I absolutely fucking loved it. And I, I played that thing religiously and I kicked its ass. I was really good at it. Um, I think the first, the, the first like gaming console that i had when i actually like started getting into gaming and my, it was a handheld i had a i had a game boy advanced mm-hmm. um sp like the the yeah, one that yeah. opens up like a fucking flip phone um and i think my very first game i ever got in that thing was a fucking it, it was like mario versus donkey kong or something like that and, and i mean it was it's kind of an underrated game but it's not like a typical mario game but i think that was like the very first game i sunk like a bunch of time into um and i had like the game boy for like a long time before i ended up like upgrading it for a ds but that was my very first uh console that i had and i really liked it a lot so that was your first handheld and first console well so it's like i i want to say that so my dad had a um he had a PS2 laying around, but he bought it. He bought it like quote unquote like for me, but it was it was his. Like he had he had a yeah. bunch of like NHL games because my dad was a big like hockey guy, so he had a bunch of NHL NFL games that he would play. So I never really touched it, and I didn't even know that we had it until like years later. And I was like, oh okay, dope. Like I don't even have to go buy this. Like we have a PS2 laying around, but. Um, no, like the first thing that was completely mine that I played all the time was a was an old Game Boy. Um, yeah. My first handheld was actually a Game Boy Advance, not the SP, mm-hmm. but it's the, uh, it's more like a PSP looking Game Boy. Yeah. It's got controls on the two sides with uh-huh. screen in the middle. Yeah. Like it's, that's actually where I played my first Pokemon game. And oh, really? Yeah. That's actually why I fell in love with the Pokemon series because of Pokemon Sapphire on the Game Boy Advance. Okay. And, I mean, to this day, Pokemon is still one of my favorite games. Yeah, it's a good one. I never got into it. I was never a huge, like, Pokemon fan. Um, you know, I was more like a Yu-Gi-Oh guy. And I had my own, like, Yu-Gi-Oh games. And I thought that was fucking dope because it's like if you own the cards, you could sometimes you could put in, like, the codes on the bottom of the cards and you would, like, oh, you, could no add them, you could add them to, like, your deck on certain games, um, which I thought was fucking dope. But, like, yeah, I just never really got into Pokemon all that much. So I never really, I didn't own any of the games. And, like, you know, people like John and Fist, they always rave over how good they are. So I know, I know they're good games. I just, it's yeah. just not my cup of tea. So you mentioned you had a PS2, and I, I know we've talked about this before, but I yeah. forget. Have you played Grand Theft Auto San Andreas? So that was the thing. I, I didn't get into the GTA stuff until um, five, actually. That was. The first one that I actually owned, but I was very familiar with it all growing up because I would go over to a friend's house and they would have San Andreas or their, one of their older brothers would have San Andreas and we would play it. And um, or like John owned GTA uh, four. And I think uh, my dad's like co-worker, Anthony, I think he owned like a GTA game. So when I'd go over there, I'd play like Grand Theft Auto. And but I never like owned a GTA game until Grand Theft Auto five came out. Um, so yeah, but I was always familiar with it for sure. Okay. So what was, okay. So we, we talked about like kind of like the first, um, consoles that you had. So like, what was your, what was your console that I, that I would say like kind of like made you like a gamer? Cause I feel like we're all like gamers in our own way. Like we, we do it at like different 
levels, but what was the first one that you really got sucked into gaming? Like you were doing it like all the time. Damn, I hate to say it, but so this I think is sort of relative. Like as a kid, most of my time was spent on Donkey Kong Country Super uh-huh. Nintendo. But after that, I mean, when you're like five to ten, most of your time, most of your free time is spent on like bullshit, and then you have some free time to yourself. Mm-hmm. But after I started staying home by myself uh, with Chris, like with no parental supervision, I started playing a shit ton of RuneScape on the computer. Oh, right, yeah. And like since 2000, uh, since 2008, I think I've logged over 3,000 hours on multiple accounts in RuneScape. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. That, so, is, a lo- <laughs> that is a lot of time. Yes. So RuneScape on the computer is really one of the games that sucked me into gaming like hardcore sitting on a game for eight to 16 hours a day type bullshit yeah runescape okay wow yeah yeah i guess that kind of transcends like two questions because that was kind of another one that i had like all right what game like made you a gamer um ah shit it's kind of hard to tell because it's like you know there's different like definitions of what it means to be like a gamer like do you consider you know playing online with like your friends yeah, like a cod type game does, does that make you a gamer or you know i mean i guess technically you can be like a super gamer if you only ever played like mario all the time too so i i, I don't know i i think the the game that hooked me into video games more than any other game i, I think that kind of like set the path for me to be really invested in like because i like rpgs a lot i like the third person like you know witcher and assassin's creed and stuff and I think the game that kind of set me on that path was uh, the remastered version of Super Mario 64. Okay. And that was on the Nintendo DS, and it was basically, like, an updated version. And, like, honestly, to this day, to me, still holds up, because I think the graphics are actually pretty damn good for a DS game. I think they did a really good job with that. Because um, I go back and I play, like, the, the old 64 one from time to time, and it, it just it's hard to play it because the graphics, like, fucking suck but i can still easily go back right now and play that remastered version like no problem um but that was the first game that i ever became like super obsessed with like how many hours you said you had in runescape i didn't have that much in this game but i mean it i my i want to say for like five years of my childhood like this game is something that i played every fucking day i would like to sorry uh three thousand hours is roughly 125 days oh really yeah i mean nonetheless i mean you, you know you do that over a period of time, it's still it's still a long time to invest in a game by by all means. But yeah, so I, yeah, I want to say for like a good five years of my childhood, like I got that game when I was in like third grade or something like that, and I played it like all the fucking time until I hit like middle school, basically. Like I loved that game, um, and I think that kind of like set me on the path because that was the first game I never. I have a bad habit of um, I don't beat games like a hundred percent. Because, like, you know, I don't like doing all, like, the tedious bullshit. Like, I like doing, like, the stories and then, like, the side stories and then, you know, a couple of the cool little, like, side elements that they have in there. But I, I, I'm not going to do... If there's anything that involves, like, oh, you got to race someone in this game, like, I'm not fucking doing it. Like, I just... It, I don't care enough to beat the game 100%. Yeah. But when I played that game as a kid, like, I loved it so much that I literally, like... I never looked up any cheats. I think one time I had to look up, like, okay, I, I found all these coins except for, like, one. Where the fuck is this? But I never looked up, like, any cheats ever. I was just... I loved it so much. I would just run around all the different worlds just, like... 
Because, you know, when you're a kid, you got, like, a big imagination, just, like, playing in the game, basically. Yeah. Like, um, using your imagination in the game. And I would find all of this secret shit just from doing, like, flips on walls and stuff. I would accidentally stumble into new, like, levels and stuff. And uh, I ended up beating that game, like, 100%. And it was, like, this big open world, like... You know, you're not, it's not like linear like some of the other Mario games. Like, you must take this path. It was, you can kind of do whatever the fuck you wanted. It was like the first, because, you know, they have like Super Mario Galaxy and Super Mario Sunshine. It was like the first Mario game to like really do that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that completely shaped the way that I do gaming now because now I can pretty much only play open world games. Like, I, I know there's some really good linear games out there. Like, for instance, um, The Last of Us is a linear game. Like, you can't just choose where you want to go, you have to like take a certain path. And it's one of the best games I've ever played, but I have a, that's a kind of like the exception, not the rule. I have a very hard time gaming like that. I, I want free will to be able to choose. Like if I just want to go fuck around somewhere random on the map, I want to be able to do that. I don't want to be like confined to no, you must take this path. So that actually raises a, like an interesting uh, game that I've played. And I think it raises an interesting uh, category of games. It's almost, I don't actually know what the category is called, but if I had to say it, it's likely choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. So a company that does this very well is a company called Telltale Games, in okay. case you haven't heard of them. Yeah, no, I, I think I have. They, I think they've made a game that we play. What? Uh, I know for a fact they've made a Walking Dead game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, that. yes, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay, I know, yes, I know what you're talking about. So basically it's... Uh, it's what I imagine like Black Mirror Bandersnatch to be. Yeah, which was like, awesome. It's basically, I haven't seen it for the record, but it's, oh. it's what I think it would be like. So you're basically watching a movie effectively and like the game has you do some things, but mm -hmm. it's basically all cutscenes, maybe like 10% user input. Mm -hmm. And then you decide how you react in certain situations after these cutscenes. That's literally pretty much exactly Bandersnatch, minus okay. that being able to, you know, you can't control the character or anything. But yeah, that, that is essentially what Bandersnatch is. Okay, that's what I figured. Now, this game, I mean, this is actually one of those games that what you choose determines the ending of the game. Right, yeah. And I love that. And yes. this actually isn't a, a type of game that I hear a lot or about. But, I mean, I don't want to describe it with, like, a, I don't want to pigeonhole it, but to me, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure type deal. I think that's a fair, that's a fair um, category of it. Yeah, and Telltale Games is very good at it. Like, the Walking Dead game that I played by them was, was incredible, actually. I've heard really good things about that Walking Dead one. I've never played it, but I've, I've heard some really good things about it. It's very good. I recommend yeah. it. And I know they have a few other games, and I've been meaning to play them, because... I actually love the choose-your-own-adventure type deal. Oh, me too. I've always wanted to get, like, a, like a book, like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Yeah. Because like, I, I think that would be dope. It's like, oh, if you choose this, turn to this page or whatnot. Exactly, like, exactly. I, think, I always thought that was cool. Well, that's part of the reason why, you know, I wish games would incorporate that just a little bit more. Because a lot of them have a bad habit of feeling, like, pretty binary. Yeah. So it's like, you know, uh, a good example is Infamous. And, it, you know, they're really good games, but you pretty much only get the path of, like, evil or good so it's like you know yeah. you can, at any decision you can make like a choice but it's only you only have basically two outcomes there are nothing else so like that's why the witcher became like such a favorite game of mine and have you played it i've played one segment of a mission okay but that's the extent of it i died 
Yeah, The Witcher can be. It, it's pretty hard to like start off. Once you get the hang of it, it's like okay, I understand how it's going, but it's actually pretty hard. Um, there's a pretty big like learning curve on it, I would say. But one of the reasons that I love The Witcher so much is that like to me, it is the perfect balance of. It literally is like a choose-your-own-adventure video game. It is completely that, but you also get a lot of control. Like, you, you do all of the fights. You, like, a lot of the cutscenes are just about... It. Like, any time the main character talks, you basically get to pick what he says. And yeah. it's not like, you know, like Skyrim, where it's like you just imagine they're saying it, but it's like, no, he actually... Like, there's like a cutscene from based on everything that you pick, and everything... Just about everything you do in that fucking game matters. Like, there's 35 different endings to that game like a different combinations of stuff like some stuff like pretty much no matter what you only get like a couple choices but like the overall how everything ends there's like 35 different outcomes like um yeah and so it's it's so perfect because you can choose like how you what your playing style is and it's it is a complete and total rpg like you can run around and you know just pick whatever clothes you want to wear kind of like your style of play you can you know be a bit more um battle intensive you can be a bit more like now i want to be like potions and you know keep my distance like you can choose everything but you still feel like Geralt to the main character like the whole time because like you always hear his voice you always see how he like acts but you get to choose what kind of person he is as you do it too so it's like it's very immersive and to me i've never played a game that has done it that well um I've played a lot of good games but none that has had like the amount of choices that that one has that you actually feel like you are the character because I've played, you know, I played some of the fallout games and that's like a pretty intensive RPG, but I never felt like the character. I kind of just felt like this wandering ghost in the game the whole time. Like, like I don't feel real. And even in like fallout four, like when you did it, it just felt like it didn't come across well to me. Well, I never played fallout four, but in fallout three and Skyrim, for example, like both games are similar in the fact that you can't, like actually hear what your character says. You mm-hmm. just choose a dialogue option and then you're talked at. Yeah. I hate that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I don't like it. Um, I agree with that, but overall, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to just say like, this isn't a plug for Skyrim at all, but I love Skyrim. Skyrim yeah. is one of my favorite games of all time. No, I, no, I get it. And you know, a lot of people, they love Skyrim and I, I'm, I could probably give it a chance. Like I've watched a lot of people play it and I've fucked around with it a little bit, but I I am just not a Bethesda fan. Yeah. Like I, I don't like Bethesda's games because like, I like them in concept. Like I like the idea of the lore, like the lore of both Skyrim and fallout are really dope to me. I really like it a lot, especially like the whole fallout story to me is so fascinating, but the execution, like it's very janky to me. Like, I don't think that they're, like the way you play, it never feels like fluid in their games. It, it feels super clunky. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and and I it, because of that, I've never really been able to get into it. And I also don't really. I'm not a big fan of the main character not talking. Like, um, you know, I love like the Zelda games and whatnot, but like, I've never been a big fan of the fact that like Link never says a goddamn word. Like, like to me, it's just it's like annoying and like a little cringy too. It's like you, you kind of feel like you're in an episode of Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's like, oh, what do you want to do? And then you like just, you know, they just go ahead and like, like you said, they talk for you based on whatever it is that you want to say. I've never I just never really liked that concept. But I do admit I do think Skyrim runs better than the Fallout series does. Like from everything I've seen about Skyrim, I feel like I could if there's one of the two that I could actually like play for an extended period of time, it would be Skyrim. 
While we're on the subject, I know these games are worlds apart, but Pokemon, like all the Pokemon games that I've played, sort of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. One thing I don't like in video games is the illusion of choice. Yeah. Like, Pokemon gives you... Uh, sometimes you get binary options. It's Some of it is linear. Like, you have the option to follow the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, others, you have the option to, uh, like, train your Pokemon and then follow the story. Like, it's... It's not exactly linear, but right. there are things you have to do to progress in the game. Yeah. You have to complete the story or part of the story to unlock certain areas mm-hmm. and et cetera. Right. And occasionally they give you options like, um, do you want to do this? Yes or no. If you hit no, the game is like, oh, well, I think you should do this. Do you want to do this? And you have to end up hitting mm. yes. Yeah. Like the illusion of choice in a game, I think, is the biggest piece of shit. Like, Instead mm. of giving me a choice that you're going to put me on a path anyway, don't give me that choice. Just say, I need you to do this task right? and tell me to do it. I, I think that's kind of like an interesting commentary on uh, fate, though. And, and I think because like even Bandersnatch does that. And, and The Witcher at certain points does it, too, because like, I've, I've, try- I've fucked around and see like what happens if you pick different options. And I've like gone back to old saves. Um, but I, I kind of like that they do that sometimes. Now, sometimes it is, like, far too binary, and, like, you, I totally see what they're doing, and it's like, okay, this is dumb. You might as well just not make this a choice. And, like, I get that aspect of it, but, like, there's, there's some times where, like, you know, in The Witcher, it's like, it, it seems like you're doing the right thing by making whatever choice, but, like, the end result is pretty much the same, like, no matter what, maybe, like, a slight variation, but it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like that because I, I feel like, you know, us in life, we can never see that, that if we were to make one decision or another, would the outcome be the same? We always wonder it, but we never like actually know. And I think there are probably a lot of times in our own lives that we make decisions that no matter what the decision we had made, it, the end result was going to be the same, but we're just not omnipotent. So we can't determine that. So yeah. I actually like that they include that sometimes, but I, I do think sometimes it is too minimalistic and it's like very blatant that it's like, okay, this is just going to end up the same way. This is like bullshit. But I do in general, like in in theory, if they do it well, I actually I actually like that. Yeah. Oh, dude. So a game. Uh, this is sort of a callback to a question that you asked earlier, like which game uh, really got you into gaming. Uh huh. So this is sort of after I started playing RuneScape. I started playing RuneScape two thousand six, two thousand seven ish, and around two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, I was introduced or sorry, 09 maybe, to 09, or eh, 09 to 11, I was introduced to Halo and Modern Warfare 2. Those were the games that really kind of broke through to me console gaming. Yeah. Like the modern era of console gaming. Yeah, I wanted to to bring up, because that was actually one of the things that I wanted to mention was like, what was the first like multiplayer, like full-fledged multiplayer game that you played? And I think yours would technically be like RuneScape. Yeah. But I think it kind of bleeds into that a little bit. Yeah, so I I do kind of want to like talk about that. Like, um, because I kind of feel the same way. Like I was always kind of like a pretty, I played games that were pretty contained. Like, you know, like I was a a big Nintendo person growing up. and a lot of Mario games and whatnot. And then when I actually, when I got my first, I would say like I became, I got like the newest console that was out was a PS3 that I had, I had bought. And uh, I didn't really play any online games. I played like Assassin's Creed. I played Prototype. Once again, like the third person open world, that was my yep. style. And then um, 
I started off by, I was like, I couldn't, I, I didn't really know if like the multiplayer world was my thing. It, it never really yeah. felt like it. Um, but I was like, okay. Cause I, I, I wasn't and to this day. I'm really not a big shooter fan. I don't like like the first person shooters. I, so like there's some COD games that like I, I like and that I play, but for the most part, I'm really not a first person shooter. Um, and so like I had bought world at war, which, you know, we had plenty of fun on playing like split screen oh, and blowing yeah. each other up. Dude, that, that was so fucking fun. Um, so I did that kind of as like a test run. I was like, okay, if I like World at War, I'll buy the newest black, the newest uh, Call of Duty game at the time, which was Black Ops. So you know, twenty eleven, like in middle school, and so um, um, I I loved it, and so I ended up I ended up like buying it, and it pretty much changed the way that I game because you know then you can get into like parties with people and yep. you can play with all of your friends, which is something I'd never really done before. Um, the closest thing I'd ever done was like Tanner would come over and we would, uh, he would bring modern warfare too. And I would just watch him play with these people online and we would just be laughing our asses off cause we'd be like fucking with people the whole time. But, um, I would say black ops is really what changed the way that I saw gaming. I started seeing it as more like a community things that you can actually like hang out and like talk to your friends online. And like, you feel like you're hanging out with your friends cause you're playing games with them and you're talking to them, but obviously not in the same room. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is where I'll concede, like, the Xbox definitely did a better job than the PlayStation because, you know, you had, like, party chats and stuff like that. Whereas, like, PlayStation, I had, like, my dad's old shitty, like, <laughs> early thousands, like, you know, connected to the ear, like, Bluetooth device that looks like a fucking dick on the side of your face. Oh, yeah. I had, yep. like, I had one of those fucking things, and that was the only way I could uh, communicate with my friends. And, like, you, you, PlayStation didn't have uh, party chat, so you just had to kind of talk within, like, the game chat, and it sucked. It fucking sucked. Um, I remember I had to buy, like, to talk to them, like, really, like, to get my point across a lot, I had to buy, like, the keyboard that you attach, like, to the controller because it was so hard to fucking type shit with the controller. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, it still is. Yeah, it's still, yeah, it's not great, but... Um, yeah, so I, I would definitely say that Blackouts was the first game that ever, that, that, like, turned me into an online, I'm gonna play with my friends game, uh, gamer, so... Yeah, I didn't really do a lot of online gaming. Most of my stuff was split screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, even on uh, Modern Warfare 2, Halo, both of those were split screen. Yeah. And we had a shit ton of fun in split screen matches. Oh, uh, yeah. And then after that, we moved on to Black Ops. And we played a lot of uh, Call of Duty zombies on World at War. Mm-hmm. Like me and everybody that I played with, and then you as well. But, and then, uh, sorry, I keep saying, and then... After zombies on World at War, we really hit it hard with zombies on Call of Duty uh, Black Ops. Right. And then that was my first sort of foray into near multiplayer. Mm. Like, I would play combat training where you would go against bots. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I forgot Uh, about that. Damn, that was fun. Combat training (laughs) kicked absolute ass. Yeah, it was either, uh, you know, bots that were so fucking stupid that you would be right in front of them and they wouldn't see you and you'd murder them or you would turn it up to veteran and the, yeah. the second you spawn, you die. <laughs> yeah, fuck combat training, Bro. dude. But it was such a fucking trip. Like, the, zomb- the, the quintessential zombies map, best map ever to have been released, Kino Darren Toten. Uh, Kino Dare Toten. Kino Dare Toten? Yeah, Kino, Kino Dare Toten. Yeah. Fuck. So I guess Toten means dead. Yeah. So theater of the dead is what it okay. is. Okay. Yeah. Well, shit. Yeah. Yeah. No. So like, I to- I totally agree. Like, like every time I think of like, even when I say the word zombies, like the very first thing that pops into my head is Kino. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, zombies, you know, I don't know how it is for, like, everyone else, but, like, zombies has been, like, pretty much a staple in my gaming experience since its inception. Like, yep. I, um, yeah, so I started with, um, I remember, because, like I said, I had World at War, so I started with, like, the original, Yeah. you know, the, it was supposed to be, like, a one-off type thing, you know, just stuck in a small room playing zombies, and I remember back then being, like, oh, man, this is fucking creepy, like, you know, and, and like, what it turned into is fucking nuts. I'm glad they. I'm glad they kept it going. But oh, me too. To this day, I constantly think of uh, of Kino, and I played the shit out of that. And then I realized that like uh, Darius was a map in World at War, and I was like, because uh, I was playing like a fucking mobile version on my phone, and they they had that map, and I was like walking around on it, and it's like the shitty mobile version of it. It was so bad because it was like on a fucking three GS iPhone, like it was yeah. so bad. And I was like walking around, I was like, this map looks fucking dope. Is this like an actual map? And so. I went back and I like I bought the DLC to play that and I wish I had been into zombies like during World at War because Darius is to this day it, to me is one of the best maps ever made and it, I think it rivals like Kino for me because it's like Kino is still number one but that's probably number two on like best zombies map like classic zombies maps of all time because that was the one that created like the teleporters. Oh, is that the one where you start in like this? This gated area with the teleporter yes. at the okay. Yeah, Darius is a very good. You're a ri- you're like as soon as you start, you're looking at the pack a bunch machine that's like locked. Yeah, okay. And yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. on a teleporter pad. Like so, they're the ones that came up with like um, the teleporter, and uh, they had had pack a punch and some of the other some of the other rounds, but it was just so much. Like that was the first I would say like as we know zombies today, that was the first map that had everything in it because uh, before that one, you I don't think you had like. Well, I say that. Well, yeah, you, you had everything, but basically you, you didn't have like teleporters or anything like that. They were, it was just pretty like contained and you couldn't yeah. really do a whole lot. And none of them had like Easter eggs. And that was the first one that did any kind of Easter egg. It was, Darius was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just became such a fucking staple after that. Like I absolutely loved Kino and everything. Yeah, I think the only map I've ever played that religiously is Kino. Yeah, so, same. I mean, Outbreak rivals Kino in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Outbreak's one of those things that, it, like, like, it's a lot of fun, but um, I think nostalgia-wise, I'm probably yep. not going to remember it as well as Kino was. Like, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been great, but, I mean, just nostalgia-wise, Kino, nothing will ever beat Kino for me. Well, you know, that's actually an interesting point uh, that you raise, and it puts into question, like, whether the nostalgia that you feel, or whether you'll feel nostalgia for the games you play now in a few years, like in the same amount of time that's passed since the games that you feel nostalgic for. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I may not be articulating this as effectively as I'd like to, but I feel a very strong nostalgia for the games that I played 11 years ago. Yeah. So the games that I'm playing now in 11 years, I do not think that I'm going to have that yearning to play them like I do the games that I played 11 years ago today. For example, it's the difference between me wanting to play Call of Duty Black Ops, which was released in roughly 2010, versus playing Call of Duty Cold War in 11 years from now. Yeah. Well, I think each one has... Games have to make a certain impact on you, just just like any you know movie or anything that can cause nostalgia. I think it has to be you know, a pretty big impact in your life. And, you know, like we've had plenty of different, um, COD games that have come out over the years or just, just games in general that we've come out and played. 
and some of them are just super not memorable to me. And like, and I've enjoyed playing them like a lot, but I'm never going to look back on like, for instance, like, you know, I really like the uh, Batman, like Arkham games. And like, to me, they're really good, but they're not good enough for me to like sit back. Cause like I started playing those in like 2015 and I don't know, sit, sit there and think like, Oh man, those were the days I was playing those Arkham games. Like they're really good games, but they just didn't hit me in that right way. And I think, um, you know, so it, it goes for a lot of stuff. So like the Witcher is only about like five or six years old and I'm going to feel, su- I, I already feel super nostalgic about the Witcher and I know I'm going to even more so as the years pass because that game was such like a marker for me that I know I'm going to feel nostalgic about it in the same way that, you know, Kino and Black Ops were for, for me, it was such a marker of like, it, this is like where I really started playing with friends. This is where I really got into zombies and it was such a cool fucking map that I just wanted to play nonstop and get better at um, so it hit me in such a way that it's like, I'm not going to forget it or, um, the same with like, you know, the, like the super Mario game that I'm never going to fucking forget because it hit me in such a way of like, that is like, when I think of open world, like that's what got me into it. So I'm always going to feel super nostalgic about it. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think, I think that's really what it is, is it really has to strike a chord with you to the fact that you're like, fuck, this game is like amazing. And I probably, I haven't really felt that. See, that's. In, in a couple years. No, go ahead. So that's actually something that I, like, in my mind, that's something I've wanted to address. Like, I, I would say my favorite game of all time right now is Horizon Zero Dawn. For those of you who yeah. don't know, like, I'm not going to spoil too much, but Horizon Zero Dawn is a game where humanity is roughly at a thousand years after where we're at, and the world is basically uh, taken over by machines like machine dinosaurs it's a very good game easily one of the best games that i've played like ever but horizon zero dawn doesn't elicit the same nostalgia when i play it now compared to things like uh, pokemon black ops like i feel like the older i get the less nostalgic things are going to be and and it's possible because, you know, right now we're in our mid-20s and we're going to look back when we're 40 and, like, really look at our 20s as super nostalgic. So I, I think some of that does kind of change with, like, the amount of time that passes. So I think there's an element of that. But also, uh, once again, I, I think it just really matters of, like, I don't know. I, I guess that might be a little bit different for you because, like, there's things that have happened, like, currently that I know I'm going to be, like, nostalgic about. Like, am I going to be super nostalgic about Call of Duty Cold War? No, but I am going to be pretty nostalgic about the fact that you, me, and Charles used to like get together and like religiously play and do all the Easter eggs on those maps, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be super nostalgic about that aspect of it. But yeah. like the game itself, not so much. All right, um, so we took a short break there, so let's go ahead and jump into another conversation. So we're not talking about COD for too long. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard because you know, like COD, I feel like for a lot of guys our age is a pretty important game. Like you can't deny its influence on on a lot of things, but nonetheless, I don't want to harp too much on it. So um, if you were gonna if you were gonna pick a game that, and we might have probably already covered this in some of the things that we've talked about, but if you're going to pick a game that says, like, what, like, that is your favorite of all time, like, it's a game that you don't think will ever be surpassed in your minds, like, either nostalgia-based or the one that you sunk the most time into, doesn't matter. Like, what is your favorite game of all time? See, this is a different, or not different, but difficult question to answer because 
there are certain games that I feel different inclinations for, and that may just be like a a, a very no shit type of answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'll give you an example. Whenever I play RuneScape, I feel a very deep need to progress in everything, mm. which is why I will never get tired of RuneScape, even if, even if the progression is extremely difficult, extremely tedious, and extremely long. The progression... Like, you, I personally will never, ever complete that game, which means I'll always have something to be working towards. Right. So, uh, to that end, RuneScape is a game that I could play for forever. Yeah. Now, that said, uh, Kino, so Call of Duty Black Ops, <clears throat> has zombies, uh, the specific map, Kino Der, uh, Kino Der Toten, which is a game that will forever live in my memory. Now, story-wise, the best game that I've ever played. Sorry, I may have gotten uh, too far from the mic. Very good. Now, story-wise, Horizon Zero Dawn, like I said, is one of the best games that I've played to date. Like, it's it's encapturing. It's the... I can't even put my words together to describe how good this game is. Like, for those of you that haven't played it, Horizon Zero Dawn is nothing short of a masterpiece. Yeah, it's, re- it's really good. Like, the mechanics of that game do seem tedious at times, but I, it's got fantastic stealth, foraging, um, combat mechanics. Like, it's incredible. I'm super excited about the sequel because, like, like I said, I don't know if you watched that demo. I think that sequel is going to kick the original one's ass, which I already know is a feat of its own, but, like, based on what I've seen, it looks really fucking good. Yeah, like if I had to pick one game to play for the rest of my life, it's very difficult to say what that actually would be. Mm-hmm. Like, if I were looking for a game that I would never, like, that my goals would continuously be changing, RuneScape, because mm-hmm. I'm never going to finish that game. Right. However, if I'm looking for a game that I just love the story, definitely Horizon. Yeah. And if I'm allowed. I'd probably add the sequel in there, too, because I imagine the story to that one is going to be as good, if not even better, yeah. than its first uh, installation or installment. I've, I've got pretty high hopes for it. I think it's going to be really good. What about you? Yeah, that, that's, that's a hard one, man. Um, you know, th- there's plenty of games that just yeah, hold such a special place in my heart. Um, you know... As far as like a game, even to this day, I could probably start and completely beat again, no problem. Like still be completely entertained. Super Mario sixty four, like the remastered version. I will. I, I think I'll always be super entertained by that game. There's just something about it that always, ever since I was a kid, just struck me as like really badass. So I feel like I can beat it again. Would I call it like my favorite game of all time? I don't know. That that that's really hard. Um. And then you have a game. I think I think the best game that like story wise that left me with kind of like an existential cri- like an actual like a legit existential crisis when I finished it was The Last of Us. Um, did you ever play that, or did you just? I watched you play it. Okay, but yeah, that's the extent of it. Yeah, see, so I knew you were around sometimes when I was playing it. Like the story of that game was just so good. Like you felt I've never felt that invested in characters in any game that I've ever played. Um, cause he just does such a good job of making them so believable and just so like you're rooting for them. And, um, 
I'll never, I'll never play the sequel to that game. I never will because the first one was to me a masterpiece of a game. It was so fucking good, and I felt so emotional playing it. Um, and it was, yeah, it was great. And like, even when the guys first, like when they first released it, they even said like, well, we don't really feel like we need a sequel because like we think we told everything really well. And then clearly something happened, and they released another one. And I, I just, I just won't play it because. I don't want to be disappointed by it. I don't want my mythos of the game. I don't want to have to be like, oh, well, this is where it goes, like, canonically. Like, I'll, I'll never I'll never play the fucking sequel because of that very reason. And um, so story-wise, that might be one of the best games I've ever played. But and then, you know, then you have, like, a game like The Witcher. Like, like I said, like, even though it's a game that you have a lot of choice in, which is something that I love. Like it, even if you got like the shitty ending of that game, it's still uh, the story to that game is fucking amazing. Yeah, even if you got the absolute worst ending, it's still a really good fucking story. So it, it's hard to say I would. And then um, I was a huge, huge Assassin's Creed fan. Like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is one of my favorite games of all time. Like it is absolutely amazing. So, and um, I feel like Assassin's Creed dominated my entire um, from seventh grade until I was like a sophomore or junior in college. Like that that game series was quintessential. Like Trevor and Assassin's Creed, they went together. Like that's I loved it. I loved it so much. But my favorite game of all time, I don't know. I feel like I'm. It might have to go. It might have to go to The Witcher. Either yeah, I would I would say either The Witcher or Super Mario sixty four because I mean like The Witcher is probably the only game minus like Minecraft, but I don't really want to. That's kind of in its own yeah. like category. Yeah. I don't really want to consider that. The Witcher is the only game that I've bought to have on multiple platforms. Like I've bought I originally bought it on the PS four and then I bought it for the Switch when it came out and then I bought it for my PC. And it's a game that I can start from scratch, make a bunch of different decisions, and like it doesn't matter what the end result is. Like I'm still gonna love that game. And there's so much to do in it. Kind of like how you were talking about with RuneScape. Like your goals are always kind of different. Your play style is always kind of different whenever you go through or you've put the game down after a while. That you, um, it, it's just a different ex- different experience every time you go you go through. And and there's so much to do that like you you might not be it, it might be a lot to actually beat that game a hundred percent. And I've never done it. Like I've only ever kind of beat like stories and a lot of the side stuff, but there's so many little quests and everything that you have to do. And it's not one of those games where it's like, Oh, the side stories are like super bland. And it's like, you know, just kind of like fetch quest and stuff like that. Like, no, it's like each side story you're like kind of invested in. You're like, well, I want to know kind of the mystery behind this. They do a really good job of incorporating mystery in the game. So, um, it might have to go to The Witcher. Yeah, The Witcher 3. Um, it's fucking... It's, and because like, I never played any of the previous ones, so that's something else that was badass about it, is that you could just jump into The Witcher 3 and you're just totally thrown into this world and it's super... You're just all about it, like, from the start. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I, think that, I think that's... I'm going to also... Because I was going to ask like, what your favorite like modern game was, but I think yours would be Horizon Zero Dawn since it's, like, 2017. And yeah. The Witcher is like 2015, so it's also like my favorite modern game. I think it might be one of my favorite games of all time. So. Yeah. So you were talking about getting a game on multiple platforms, and I think that is a very good criteria for like a good game. Now I've gotten uh, Skyrim, for example, on multiple mo- eh, multiple platforms: uh, PS3, PS4, and PC, namely. Uh, but a game that has been rehashed a little bit, but I've 
technically gotten on multiple platforms is Pokemon. And, like, Pokemon's been released on nearly every Nintendo platform, like, in existence. Like, it's been Game Boy Advance, uh, the, the regular, the weird-ass Game Boys, the SP, the DS, DS Lite. Yeah. Like, basically every iteration of Nintendo's consoles, maybe minus the Super Nintendo, has had some sort of Pokemon game. And Pokemon is something that I will always faithfully uh, buy into because it's just nostalgic, to say the least. Right. But also, it's like a reskinning of the game that I love, but updated for the modern age. Or, I mean, the... I don't want to say modern, but more present. Like, they release a Pokemon game once every so amount of years, and it feels like the game has been uh, faithfully reproduced. Yeah. So I guess I should add Pokemon in there because it is truly a wonderful game to play. So I was going to, yeah, so that was actually something I wanted to ask. So, like, how do you feel about remasters in general? Like, are you a fan of them? Are you not? Because I know we were kind of talking about this a little bit in the group chat the other day, people, like, constantly remastering games. But I wanted to know, like, just in general, like, how you felt about it. I think remasters are very good. I mean, Pokemon... I, I talk about Pokemon a lot in general, but Pokemon has done some pretty faithful remasters. Like uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver are remasters of Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver, which were released in, I think, the early or late 90s. Mm-hmm. And the remasters were released in the, I think, late 2000s or early 2010s. Mm-hmm. They've released a remaster of Pokemon Sapphire, Emerald, and Ruby, released in early 2000s. Uh, called Omega Ruby and Omega Sapphire, Hmm. or Alpha Sapphire, released in early 2010. They fucking knocked it out of the park. Oh, okay. And then there's another remaster coming out. The originals were released in 07, 08, Pokemon Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. The remasters are Brilliant, Diamond, and Shining Pearl, going to be released in November of this year, 2021. Yeah. So Game Freak and Nintendo do sick ass jobs at their remasters yeah so overall i think remastering is a really good way of recapturing the game that you used to play the game that you know and love if you add some mechanics to make the game more enjoyable or add some quality of life mechanics perfect if not then you'll have like a skyrim situation where it was released on ps3 you remaster it for the ps4 and it's still a very good game yeah. I, either way, I think remasters, as long as they're faithful to the original, remasters are a great idea. Of course, uh, I think you can run the well dry. Mm-hmm. Like Skyrim has been remastered like at least three times. And yeah. like I'm not going to buy any more Skyrim copies because I bought it like three or four times already. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, I think remastering is, like, a really good thing, um, if you do it right, because I've seen some that are fucked, like, just not good. And I, I think you made a good point that I think Nintendo does a really good job with their remasters. Um, like I said, the one of my favorite games of all time is, act, is a remaster of a game from 1996, and it was remastered in, like, 2004, 2005. And... Um, it still holds up like, to this day. Like, I don't even think they would even need to remaster it again because it, it did such a good job back then. And then I've seen, like, 
Uh, I think it was like Majora's Mask, like the old Zelda game, which is a really good fucking game. And um, they remastered that on like the 3DS and it looked fucking amazing. Like, so I think I think Nintendo does a really good job of remastering their games. Um, but I've had some that are like fucked, that are just absolutely fucked. Like um, I have this one. So I've been a huge Assassin's Creed fan my whole life. And um, they released a remastered version of like all the games that Ezio is in. Yeah, who, who was I in heard the main, about that. Yeah, who was the, he was the for those who don't know, he was the main character in like the second through like the fifth game. Like he, he like he's in a lot of games and um, they did a remastered version of that on the PS4, like kind of like a late. Uh, late edition copy and um they did they didn't do good so like they didn't update any of like the game mechanics they really just kind of like painted over everything so everything was pretty much exactly the same but they tried to like quote unquote update the graphics which uh they were updated a little bit but they they fucked it they they kept they did something with like some of the characters' eyes that that literally just completely take you out of the game experience. I saw several memes of that, and, and, and it became a meme for a reason because, like, literally, I'm playing it, and like, I love every game with Ezio in it. It's the best. I had to stop playing the fucking remastered collection because, literally, like, I'm watching background characters whose eyes look like they have literally been painted over by a four year old. <laughs> like, like they're they're huge and cartoony, and they don't yep. fit with the character models at all. Whereas, like, the old ones were, like, okay, yeah, they were a bit more, like, blocky, but at least they looked, like, you, you could take them serious as, like, adversaries or background characters. Well, like, now sometimes you'll, you'll see, like, a background character wander into the, the frame, and his eyes are all fucking gigantic and cartoonish, while, like, Ezio looks, like, super badass and serious. And I'm, like, I can't take this game fucking serious with, the, with this. Like, it was a horrible, um, all they did was just reskin it. And when I get a remaster of a game, I, I don't really just want a reskin. Like, that's nice, but, like, you know, game the way that games, you interact with games, they, they, they change over time. And yes. so, like, you know, some, game, some of the games you played on your PS2, like, like, the game mechanics, like, the way that you move as a character are vastly different than, like, on the PS3. So, like, I don't want to play the same PS2 walking, like, game mechanics on a game that's on a, that late into the PS4. Yeah. I want kind of a remaster of like fluidity. So like, you know, for instance, I, um, so you have, um, we'll, we'll take like an old, like we'll, we'll just like the original Assassin's Creed game. And then like the ones that you play now. And it's like, clearly the game mechanics are vastly different because they've, uh, they've added so many different things that you can do as a character. Well, if you're going to remaster the game, I don't, I, I don't want to in 2021 play, the exact same way that the game did as a 2007 game. It, it's going to feel super janky and blocky. Like, I, like I don't want that. So if you're going to remaster a game, like you got to remaster all aspects of it. And, um, I haven't played it personally, but I've, I've watched Chandler play like a lot of it. I've seen a lot of things about it and I have it like downloading on my PS4 right now, but like they completely remastered, um, the final fantasy ah, shit. Which one is it? Like seven, like the one with cloud. So I don't know whichever one that Final is Chandler Fantasy. is going to be pissing himself because he fucking he's going to be angry. I don't know which one this is, but the one the one that has like cloud in it and, and it's like a PS one release and it, it is vastly different. So like when they remade this, they re, they remastered it in like every sense of the word. And it's like, OK, if we're going to have a remaster, I want that. 
I want it more like the game mechanics and everything are updated to whatever the modern system and game mechanics of the time are. I like, I want all of that, like complete immersive experience. I don't, don't, I just don't want like reskins every time because then you get shit like Skyrim. And it's like, once again, I'm recognizing Skyrim is probably a good game, but you can literally play it on your fucking fridge. Like I don't want, I don't want to just keep like doing the same shit from 2010 when this game came out, like, and you just won't let it die. Like, I think there becomes a point where it is absolutely too much, and you've just, like you said, been milking the shit dry. No, sorry. Oh, go ahead. So, to give praise to Nintendo, uh, Nintendo's Pokemon remasters, specifically the the Hoenn region, for those of you who aren't familiar, that's the uh, Pokemon Emerald, Sapphire, and Ruby, remastered to the Alpha Ruby, sorry, Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby games. Like, they added some very nice mechanics that kept up with modern progression of the games. And I thought that was very refreshing. And they even added some new things that weren't previously accessible in any game. And honestly, I think that mechanic... uh, Like, some of the mechanics that they added in the remasters of these 2004 games are going to be seen in the games that are coming out later this year in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, another remaster that I don't mind it being a reskin is actually the Master Chief Collection of Halo. Okay. Is that like, one pretty much just like a reskin of it all? or That's what it feels like based on what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I The only one that I've really extensively played is Halo 3, the remastered Halo 3. But... Halo 3 itself was a game that didn't really leave much to be desired. Like, on its surface, Halo 3 was a perfect game. It was a really good game. I never really played it, like, too much. I didn't own an Xbox, so I didn't own a copy of it. But every time I'd play with friends, like, Halo was a really good game. Yeah, so bringing in just a reskinning of a very popular Halo game, I don't see a problem with that, just because the company that did it was fantastic i think it's like 343 engine or something yeah it's not bungie i don't believe uh bungie is the original creator of uh some of the very early halo games i think including up to halo 3 it's not a bungie project anymore but they did a very good job at maintaining it and bringing it into the modern age well i I think it kind of i think it also kind of depends on the game like because some games are ahead of their time and so, you know, if you're a game that's already kind of ahead of your time and there really isn't much of a need to update the game mechanics because they already work so well within like whatever, like if it's, if it's a game on a PS2 that has like a badass game mechanics, like, and there's really no need to change the way that the game works on a PS4, then like by all means, I think that's fine. Because I think Halo would be a good example of that. Like I think the game mechanic, you don't really need to change much of the game mechanics to still really enjoy a Halo game. Yeah. Really the only bad part would be just like the shitty graphics compared to like what we have now. Right. And I'm totally fine with that. Like that's perfectly fine. But if it's a game that definitely has dated mechanics, like I don't want the same dated mechanics in, you know, 2021 when it came out in 2007. Like, like yeah, I just, yeah. I just don't want that. Um, so let's uh, let's move on from this. So um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit. About how do you how do you feel about some of the um, you know like the VR consoles? So like I know Ooh. your your wife and I we Ooh. both own the Oculus, and um, I kind of wanted to get your perspective on that a little bit. So what do, how do you feel about it? So VR in general, I think is a uh, 
is a very enrapturing idea because you can do a lot of things more interactively. Like you don't need to just... VR has a layer of immersion that regular gaming just does not have. And VR can be used for more than gaming. Like I'm, as much as I love gaming, like VR has almost this transcendent property yes. that allows you to, I mean, do more than gaming. You can watch videos, you can, I mean, this is just a personal, personal example, but you can attend concerts online. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I'll just jump right in. So in uh, April, I think, there was a Porter Robinson concert online, like mm-hmm. in, in VR. And for those of you who don't know, Porter Robinson is an EDM artist that's been around since uh, 2009, 2010-ish. And he did a virtual concert in VR. And I got to say, that was one of the most immersive concert experiences that I've had like it it felt like I was there truly like sure I wasn't moving in real life I was uh I had some minimal joystick input like I had to turn with the uh with the joysticks to actually walk anywhere Mm. but I could look all around and it was a 360 degree environment right like I was there yeah in this virtual world and that's that's incredible like virtual reality is truly a like a leap forward in not just gaming but entertainment as a whole. Yeah, um so I feel like some of my opinions on VR is I mean, I remember the first time I was introduced to it. I I always had this idea that it was like this super janky ass um experience i guess because i had kind of fucked with uh some of garrett's vr but garrett had like one of those ones where you know you just you put your phone into uh, like the, the eyes so like i always kind of had this perception of vr as just like this you know like gimmick it was gimmicky that was kind of my perception of it but then um i remember i was went over to y'all's house like one time and uh sarah had a vr she had the oculus and so i was just like eh, everyone was trying it i was like oh yeah fuck it i'll try whatever game yeah. And I remember I was absolutely taken aback by how immersed I felt in the VR system. Cause I, like I said, I just saw it as this gimmicky ass thing. And like, I wasn't even in the game. I was just in kind of like, like the menu. Yeah. And so like the menu, for those who don't know, you're in like this little virtual room, like, like whatever you can kind of pick what that room is. That's kind of like your, you know, where you would put like your startup menu or like how you would get into a, like a web browser or anything like that. It's analogous to a home screen. Yeah. It's basically like the home screen, but it's like this big ass room of choice and you have totally all these different designs. And I was just sitting in that room and was just like taken aback. I was like, holy shit. I was completely immersed in that room. Like, I was no longer in Michael and Sarah's living room. I was in this badass room. And yep. then something else that was really cool is that there's this option on it called like pass through, which is basically you can see what's going on around you. It's like in a black and white version. It, it literally looks like the real world, but like virtualized and just walking around in that. I was just absolutely stunned by how I, I just, my entire sense of reality was completely changed by this headset that I'm wearing. And so then, you know, they threw me into one of this, one of these games and it was just like seriously being teleported into a new world. Like you're kind of like 
you have you know that obviously like it's definitely is very virtual but you're just so immersed in it that it's um it's honestly like sometimes you'll be playing it for a while and you'll kind of forget that you're in the real world like it like it seriously becomes like a whole brand new place and so you know like you said that kind of transcends not you know not just video games in general and just play through but like the way we interact with technology like that it's a big leap forward it really is because you can incorporate that in so many different parts of your life like you know they're already trying to they already put that some of that shit on like mirrors and they're trying to incorporate that some of that stuff in like cars and it's just like i this stuff is in its infancy in my opinion like it's you know finally at the point where it can be like mass produced and a bunch of people want to buy it but as far as what we can do with it, like the, the virtual worlds we can create, like it's at the very beginning. And so the fact that it's already so impressive, uh, what it's going to be in 20 years from now is just going to blow your fucking mind. Oh yeah, dude. Like in terms of immersion, like I do think VR takes the cake, but I would be amiss to say that, uh, motion tracking technology, like, uh, the Xbox connect and, I don't know what the PlayStation equivalent was, but PlayStation had a Xbox Connect equivalent. Yeah, like, it was. I forget what that was called. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think those helped set the stage, but they are, like, you could acknowledge them, but they are entirely separate. Like, they're yes. not nearly as immersive as actual vo- virtual reality because you're still looking at a television, television screen as you're moving compared to actual virtual reality headsets. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I don't think we would be here without things like the Wii, which I think, like, the Wii was definitely, like, the starting point for a lot of that shit. Um, And I'm sure they probably had some prototypes, like, before that. But, like, the Wii was the first, like, widely commercialized kind of, like, oh, hey, you get to interact with it based on just, like, you know, how you move the controller at this weird little remote thing. So I don't think we'd be here without the Wii, but I mean, nonetheless, like like comparing the Wii to the Oculus is yeah. like I, I I can't even think of an analogy. It's just not the same at all. No, like it no. it is you cannot make that that is not a fair comparison by any means. It's like comparing the first flight by the Wright brothers to a Boeing seven forty seven. Yeah, I feel like that's a good one. Like it is just not the same at all. And like so, if, for those of you who haven't tried VR seriously like it, it is not gimmicky i know sometimes it can definitely seem like it because that that was the opinion that i was in i didn't even really want to try it because i was like oh it's whatever it's not that immersive no man this is seriously it is a huge fucking game changer for the gaming industry and just the world as a whole I and think, sorry no yeah go ahead i mean i think even if you're just looking for a place to relax mm. like just pop the virtual headset on and chill out in the the I don't even know what to call it, like homeroom. The thing that's the analogous virtual, to the home screen. It's called a virtual environment is what it's okay. actually called on the Oculus. Yeah, like, no, you, yeah, you really can. You, you can just pop it in and you can just literally sit back because some of them you can be on like a landscape. You can kind of like choose where you want to be. And um, there's a lot of things that are very compatible with it too. So, you know, you can just like casually throw on like the, oh, you're just chilling on a mountaintop. And it's like, you know, obviously like it does still look virtual, but nonetheless, it's so immersive that you can literally have a very relaxing experience in this headset. You want to talk about immersion. In addition addition to having a relaxing experience, you can also get on roller coaster simulators, Mm -hmm. which while you don't feel it in your body, you feel 
the twists and the turns and the ups and downs of the roller coaster in your mind. And that is nearly enough to make it feel like very real. Like it's enough to disorient you. Yeah. Um, and then something else that like I actually use it for from time to time. And I, and I forget about this feature like all the time. But um, uh, Netflix, like watching shows, like, like they have a Netflix option on this thing. And it's literally like you're in this badass room and you're watching whatever your Netflix show is on this giant movie screen, basically, like all to yourself. And it's you watch it for like two minutes and you completely forget that you're in the Oculus. Like you are just completely immersed in whatever movie that you're like thrown into. So like it's just such an experience. Like I am, I'm very impressed by all the stuff that you're able to do. And then obviously like web browsing is really good on it too. And then I don't really want to go into too much detail on this, but porn is fucking dope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like, like that's just its own crazy fucking world as well. And um, I haven't personally done this, but it's like you can have like five different browsers open at one time in the 360 view. So it's like whatever the hell you want to do with that. Like you have full free reign. See, that's actually not something I've done because the Oculus Quest that we have actually isn't mine. Sarah bought it. Uh-huh. So it feels a little uh, dirty. <laughs> To use her object for porn <laughs> when I have my own objects that I can use for porn, such as yeah, no. you know, my in, cell yeah. phone. Not endorsing watching VR porn, but <laughs> nonetheless, if you try it, you won't necessarily be disappointed. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's really dope, and that, that was something that I did want to ask. That was kind of one of the one of the final questions that I had was, you know, aside from. PC gaming, which I feel like will always kind of be like top tier. And I want to talk about that in a minute, but I wanted to kind of talk about like what you thought like the future of gaming was. And me personally, I think it's VR because like there's, you know, gaming is always going to be like really good on the PC and on all these consoles. Like it's always going to be great, but I think if they can really get down the art of creating like this complete and total immersion experience with, within like a VR headset, I think that's the way that it's really that people are really going to want to go to in like 20 years because it's just so immersive. Like you cannot get that experience. Like even if you, even if you completely forget that you're playing with like a controller and you're like super involved in the game, which is very easy to do. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't compare to a VR headset. Like it, it, if you can find a way to mimic something like COD in a VR world, like, you know, you get one of those fucking, little treadmill things that like, you know, you're able to just complete, you're able to do your own running. If you can find a way to make COD completely immersive in a VR headset, I think that is absolutely the way that it's going to go. Well, I think the future uh, innovation wise, yes, is going to be VR. Yeah. I feel like that, that that's a better way to describe that. Yeah. The future that's going to drive the gaming industry is cross platform. Like, more games are being released cross-platform, so PlayStation 3 and 4 players can play with PC players and Xbox players and even Switch players. Yeah. And I think just more and more games are going to be released cross-platform to a point where it doesn't, or it won't matter what what you're getting your game on. Mm -hmm. I mean, this may be an optimistic view, barring version exclusives, but I think... In about 20 to 40 years, most games are going to be cross-platform in a way that it doesn't matter what system you have. You can play the game with your friends, no matter what game or what system they have. 
I no. think I, I think that's already like uh, I wouldn't even say that's like twenty years out. I mean, I think most games that are being released now that are like multiplayer compatible, I think they're already like people really want them to be cross platformed. So yeah, I just put that timeline in there just to be like absolutely optimistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to say every game, but I think ninety nine percent of multiplayer games by twenty or forty years from now are going to be cross platform. For sure. Oh yeah, I I know I absolutely agree with you. Like, yeah, and I, and I think honestly, from here on out, like if it's a multiplayer game, to not make it cross-platform, like you said, like minus the ones that are specifically for whatever console, is just a bad move because like yeah. most people, most people want that. And it's so funny because, and I, I said this on our previous version of this, but it's like you know I mentioned cross-platforming year before this was even like considered before it had ever been done. I remember sitting there being like. Uh, because I think, like, John and Mark were, like, talking some shit about, like, how great Xbox was versus, like, PlayStation, which was kind of their, that was their shtick. That's what they like to do. And I was like, well, honestly, like, I think you sh- everyone should just be able to, like, play with each other. Like, it shouldn't matter what console you're on. Like, you can just, like, play with everyone. So then, like, therefore, the only thing you really like buying is, like, what you like better as a platform. Yeah. And I was met with that. Like, I, I was, like, I had fucking autism. Like, like they, they were literally, like why on earth would you want to play with another console? Like that defeats the purpose of buying the console. Like you, why would you want to, what, like what you, like you think Xbox players and PlayStation players are going to want to play with each other. Like, it's not even a competition, man. Like Xbox players are way better. Like that I was met. Like I literally, I got the response. Like I was fucking stupid. And, um, now it's like, you know, a thing that everyone wants. I feel like there, I don't know a single person that doesn't want a cross platforming play. Yeah. And actually I have to hand it, so there are a lot of, I say a lot, but there are major cross-platform games, Call of Duty being one of them. But the most cross-platform game, I think, in existence right now is Minecraft. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, probably. It's on yeah. Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, PC, mobile. What else am I missing? Nothing? I don't think I'm missing anything. Sounds right. I think Minecraft is the most accessible cross-platform game in existence to date. As of... What is it? August, uh, August 22nd. If I'm dating this podcast, I'm sorry. But we're in late August 2021. So right now, Minecraft is the most cross-platform accessible game. And you really have to hand it to the developers because they've put in a shit ton of effort to make sure everybody can play the same game together. And yeah. I really don't think that sort of effort has been undertaken in any other game. I will say that Call of Duty has had uh, good attempts. Like, they have Call of Duty Mobile. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Call of Duty Mobile puts you in the same lobby as Call of Duty, uh, like, regular Call of Duty console versus PC, which, I mean, understandably, console and PC would have an edge. It's a different type of game. Yeah. Which is why I just think that Minecraft cross-console is much more ambitious. Yeah. Now, I will hand it to them. The mobile gaming has, like, made leaps and bounds in the last few years, like, especially, like, the controls you can plug into your iPhone and stuff. Like, it is definitely much easier to be a mobile gamer than it ever has been. Like, this is the time to do it. But, yeah, I still don't think it's there. Like, I I think mobile is definitely kind of, like, the lowest tier of gaming, for sure. But, no, I agree with you. I I think Minecraft has done a really good job. It kind of started off as, you know, it had different versions for each different, like, console. Like, you know, before it was, like, the the PlayStation and whatnot was, like, so far behind, like, anything on PC. And now I think it's pretty much, like, up to date on everything. 
same with like like the Switch. Like I'm literally playing with you guys like on the PC. I'm playing with like my Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Which, by the way, I also think is like the best handheld gaming system that has yes. existed so far, mainly because of the fact that he can play like major console games on it. Like I can play The Witcher on it. I can play, you know, you, I, can you play COD on it? I can't remember. I'm not sure, but I will admit I underestimated the Switch's capabilities. Like when you said it could play Witcher, I imagined you got like 15 frames per second. Yeah. And I mean... I don't want to be, like, elitist. So, for those of you who don't know, like, frames per second, typically consoles offer 30 frames per second. That's typically what everybody is used to. Mm -hmm. 15 frames per second, uh, you would perceive as kind of choppy, kind of uh, almost, almost like distorted. Yeah. And I imagine that's what some pretty intensive games would be on the Switch. But the Switch seemed to run what I would consider intensive games like The Witcher pretty well. So, I mean, I got to hand the Switch props for that because you can do mobile gaming on the Switch. You can also plug it into a TV and plugging plugging it into the TV unlocks like higher frame rates according to what the TV can provide. Because I think the Switch itself is limited to like 30 frames per second, like on the handheld device. But the TV can offer... I don't even know the TV limitations. It might be up to 120 frames per second, but 60 for sure. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so like I know for a fact, like that Witcher game that I play, I think the frame rate or uh, the uh, resolution, I should say, on on the Switch is like four something. It's like actually pretty low, but like when you're playing it, it runs pretty well. Like it's pretty damn good for a handheld console, like really good. Yeah, yeah. And then... When you plug it in the TV, it jumps it up to 720. So, like, it becomes, like, a pretty regular game that you would play on the TV. And it, it does a really good job of handling that shit, which I was I was very surprised on because, you know, yeah, all the handheld consoles out there that have kind of, like, existed have always been kind of, like, lower tier than consoles. But I feel like yep. the Switch handles it very, very well. Yeah. The only thing I have to complain about on the Switch is the controls. Like, yeah, the switches controls don't feel as natural as a a console with a built in controller like a PlayStation or Xbox to give you an example. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And like, um, you know, they have some like Charles says, like a full on controller of that stuff. And it like, you know, that comes out pretty well. But nonetheless, when you're like gaming on the road, like you're not going to just like set that down and use the controller you're going to be like using it in your hand which admittedly yeah it's it's a little bit jankier than like using like an actual controller but i think of all handheld consoles i don't think anything beats the switch i think the switch is definitely top tier like like and i've had like plenty i've always really liked handheld consoles um i think yeah and out of all of them i've ever owned switch is definitely the best because i've never had one that can run like an actual console game other than the switch yeah and at the same time since since I did make the comparison to like Xbox and uh, PlayStation, there isn't really a viable Xbox or PlayStation alternative. Like PlayStation has the PSP, but I don't think that's been updated since uh, I don't know 2011. And even even which it was like the, it was like the PSP, then it was the PS Vita was the thing. Uh, that it, that's the newer version, and most people would agree it's not very good. Like yeah, you have some games that run well on it, but for the most part, it's. Eh. Yeah, it's not it's not a very good uh, handheld. Yeah, so the Switch, I mean, even though I compared it to the 
the PlayStation 4, Xbox, like Xbox One, the Switch really is in a category of its own. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love it. Um, I think it's a really, I think it's a really good system. Yeah. So, um, you know, I w- once again, I, I guess kind of to end some of it off, I wanted to talk about uh, PC a little bit. Ooh. So, ooh, ooh, ooh. you know, when I was uh, when I was like younger, you know, PC was pretty like not it. It wasn't very viable for me because you know you can't afford any of those parts when you're a kid, and like to build a badass gaming PC, you need probably I would say like at least a thousand bucks. Like I would say that's in the realm of making a pretty good gaming PC. Yeah, like order of magnitude. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and so like I think that like that's like a pretty good range. Um, I say like a thousand to twelve hundred, and you know when you're a kid you can't afford that and your parents aren't gonna fucking just shill out that much money it's like they're much more willing to buy you like a like you know like a ps4 ps5 which are like 500 to 600 bucks like depending on the time that they're released um but as i've gotten older and you know you can't afford those kind of things like i just you know i think pc gaming is the best way to go like it like it just to me it really is because um you know, the way that we are able to, at least like, you know, you, me and Charles, when we all play games together, um, the way that we interact with one another is just, it's just kind of unmatched. You know, you can have it on multiple screens. Like you can have like, you know, discord obviously is like the most popular way to kind of chat within games, um, having like its own separate app. It, um, you know, to sit there with like, like, like this, like, like I have these podcast microphones to sit there with my podcast microphone and equipment to then talk into the game like it feels really dope. Like it just feels really cool to sit there like that. But also it's like really good audio. And, um, you're also able to, I don't know. It just, it's just so seamless to me. Like the, it is definitely the best way to have like a party chat and like play online with other people is to play on PC. Yeah. So I will say that PC gaming is definitely one of the most, uh, I don't want to describe it as resource intensive, but if we consider money as resources, then yes, PC gaming is very resource intensive. I would you, say so too, because of like all the different, you kind of have to know a little bit about like the parts that you want and whatnot. Whereas like when you, if you just walk into the store and buy a console, you don't have to think about any of that shit. You just buy the thing that they have. Well, the thing with that is you can sort of buy a pre-built gaming PC, mm-hmm. but you have to understand like the limitations of the technology that you're buying. Like for example, you might not be buying the most updated graphics card. You may not be buying exactly like, yeah. as much hard drive space as you need, but that's, that's something you can navigate later. Right. Uh, but PC gaming, I think, is... I mean, I'm sort of biased here, but I have had consoles, so I've been on both sides. Now, when I do PC gaming... It's as though I'm on a console because I predominantly use the controller. I don't like playing mouse and keyboard. I, I, I don't on any single game other than like maybe uh, every now and then like a COD game. I'll play like that because you do get like a bit better response times. But for the most part, no, I never play mouse and keyboard. Yeah. So keeping in mind that I use my PC like a console the PC is still better because I can use the PC for multiple things. Like I can have like, this is where multiple displays really come in handy. Oh yeah. Like PCs have obviously have multiple displays. You can have like, depending on your graphics card, you can have, I think up to four or five displays coming out of your computer. 
I've got two, but I want three. But on one screen, I can have my, my chats. Discord, for example, which connects me to all the people who have a Discord application regardless of platform, which is incredible in and of itself. Um, but in addition, I can look up things about the game that I'm playing on one screen while playing the actual game on the other screen. Uh, in addition to that, uh, PC gaming really unlocks uh, higher than 30 FPS gaming. Yeah. Which, if you're used to console gaming, then 30 FPS is going to be completely, excuse me, completely normal to you. Mm-hmm. And that is fine. But once you get a monitor that's capable of, capable of handling 60 frames per second or greater, mm-hmm. going back to 30 frames per second is going to feel very clunky, very, uh, I mean, even stuttery. As far as, like, PC versus console goes, um... I think there's definitely benefits to both. So, like, I I enjoy PC because you have complete and total control, and, then like, as the technology changes, all you got to do is, like, switch out a part or two, and your PC is completely up to date, whereas, like, you know, you have to buy a brand new fucking console to update that. But I've noted out of my entire time noticing, and I know I have, like, a few issues with my PC, but, like, nonetheless, um, I've noticed that, I have more issues with my PC than I ever would on a fucking console. Like, ever. Like, you know, it seems like a lot of games don't really prioritize PC. Like, you know, Cold War is a prime fucking example. Like, Yumi and Charles, all of our games are crashing right now. Yep. Playing on PC. Like, when a lot of devs release their their games, they... PC seems to be the one that always has, like, the most issues. Or the ones that they're not really, like, thinking of in the immediate. Well, I think that's... That's kind of biased because we don't see these issues on console. Like, we're not actively looking for them. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes, like, the console... Okay, like, well, let's take, like, the Arkham games or... Um, what is it? Like, a set, like the Assassin's Creed Unity games. Like, like, like some well, of those. Like, they, like, they, on the consoles, ran fine. But on PC, they, you are, they were almost unplayable upon, like, launch. Okay, see, that... That's something I didn't know. I'm I'm strictly talking about Call of Duty and the sample size mm-hmm. that we don't have. Right. But, I mean, that I didn't know, so I'll concede that. Yeah, so, like, I feel like sometimes PC kind of gets the shit into the stick on uh, that one. And, like, you know, like, my, my games have crashed, like, quite a bit. And there's literally no reason. Like, I have a pretty top-end gaming PC, and there's no reason for some of these things to fucking crash the way that they do. And, uh, you know, that's something you kind of have to worry about is like, oh, which part is like not working, which one is blah, blah, blah. Whereas, but, but if you buy like a, just a console, like pretty much no issues. Like I I would say like sometimes like, you know, some games have like a little bit of a problem, but then they release a patch pretty quickly and like everything is absolutely fixed. And if uh, something breaks down and there is something wrong with one of your parts within your PS5, all you got to do is contact Sony and they'll give you a brand new PS5. Whereas like ours if there's something wrong, like we have to fix it. We have to know at least a little bit about the in and outs and replace those parts. So if you're, if you're someone that doesn't know a lot about computers, um, PC is probably not the best way for you to go. Like, like, like me, PC is probably not the best way for me to go. Cause I don't know shit about computers. Like I, I don't know anything about computer parts whatsoever. No. I'm just fortunate enough to have you and Sawyer as my friends who know more about PC parts than I do. But 
if it wasn't for that, like I would probably just stick to buying consoles all the time because I don't know fucking shit. And so I feel like the common like lay person that just wants to game and not think about it too much, they're always going to want to pick a console. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, it's difficult for me to say this because there are just a few ways that you can fuck your PC up. But PC is basically an adult version of those toys where you match the triangle blocks with the triangle holes. The the blocks, quote-unquote, are just different. Yeah. Like, you have certain video drivers, you got certain video cords, uh, certain things that you have to connect on the internal parts. Yeah. That being said, if you do connect some of the internal parts wrong, you can fuck your entire computer build up. So you do have to be very careful with the internals. Now, that said, I mean, granted, everything you've said, like, that's... I agree with that, and I'm not even going to argue, like, any of that. The reason I personally prefer PC over any sort of console is because I can do everything on my PC. I can't do everything on my console. Yeah. Like, I can... On my gaming PC, I can connect to my work, and I can do work Mm -hmm. on my PC. And then when I get done with work, I just disconnect, and then I play games. I can do school on my PC, and then after I get done with school, I can play games. I can browse the internet, answer emails, then I can play games. Whereas if I wanted to do that stuff and play games on a console, I would have to have at least two different devices. Yeah. Like, I just love how PC takes all of the functions that I need in... This sounds kind of dramatic, but all the functions that I need in life mm-hmm. and puts it into one machine, like banking, email, answering, college, work, gaming. It's one device. I turn my computer on and I can do all of this stuff. Yeah. Whereas if I didn't have a gaming PC, I'd have a gaming device and then a some computer that I had to do all the other things that my gaming console could not. Right, yeah, no. What, yeah, like, and like I said, one of the things that I've always loved about the PC is kind of like the fluidity of it all. Is the, yeah, you're able to do all of that stuff. And if you have a good gaming PC, like chances are you have a good like PC that can run multiple different programs at the same time. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I also really like the fact that if you want to change your game to match your play style, whether it be mods, like, like mods is another huge plus. Like yep. you, if you have a console, you can't really mod your game. Like you got to jump through a bunch of fucking hoops to do it and hope that you have the right hacker dude that has the right mods for your shit. But we're like on PC, like all you got to do is change out like one or two files and like you can pretty much modify your game to be whatever it is that you want. The issue with that is you have to feel comfortable enough to modify files Mm -hmm. in specific locations, which admittedly is not difficult, but it can seem very daunting to an inexperienced person. Yeah, and like I can be like that sometimes. Like, like, like there's some things that like I'm pretty familiar with, and there's sometimes like, hey, change this whatever file, and I'm like, I've never even touched that a day in my life. So like, I think PC is one of those things. Like, if you're tech savvy, it's the way to go. Like, like, like if you know. A decent amount of technology, you should probably go with PC gaming. So yeah, I mean that's how I feel about it. I mean I really like PC. I think I think PC and um, 
VR definitely the two best ways to go with like gaming. I think they're kind of like the future of it. Like um, as years have progressed with me, like I've just definitely seen the undeniable benefits of gaming on both of those types of consoles. And I just, uh, I just think that's definitely the way it's going to go. But um, so yeah, we've kind of extended into some of our time here. Um, So did you have anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up? Yeah, this is not related to gaming at all. If you like beatbox, it's a type of alcohol. It's 11.1%. Highly recommend it. It gets you drunk, and it's not a lot of volume. All right. that was <laughs> We got a segue there. So, yeah, no. Um, I would just, uh, you know, recommend definitely uh, playing The Witcher if you've never played The Witcher, and if you never... And um, also Ghost of Tsushima is really good. Just came out, like, last year. It's a badass game. Other than that, um, I think we've talked kind of a lot about just our experiences on gaming in general. So, um, yeah, I'm about ready to wrap up. So if you got nothing else, are we, we good to go? Good to go. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Goonies Podcast. I have been your host, Trevor King Minor, and my badass co-host, my badass co-host, Michael Ross. Definitely more drunk than I was. Yeah, it's it's been a night, let me tell you. But, uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, let's see us next week for uh, Season 1, Episode 5. And you'll figure out the topic then. So uh, thank you guys so much, and have a good night. <laughs>